Welcome back, Cracked fans, to another edition of the Cracked Interviews podcast. I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. As we've alluded to on our other shows, this offseason, our Crack Rackets team attempted to speak with every Power 5 men's and women's head coach employed throughout the college tennis world. We asked each of them about their team's respective 2021 seasons and what we should expect from them here in 2022. Of course, we also offered them a platform to share their thoughts on some of the big picture topics in college tennis. It is a fantastic series that our team is ecstatic to finally start sharing with the broader college tennis community over the next six weeks. Fans can expect no fewer than 10 episodes a week to be posted on this feed. A huge shout out to our friends at Tennis Point for their support with this series. Remember, go to tennis-point.com right now. Use that promo code CR15 to express your thanks. With all of that said, we're ready to get to today's episode. So Westoff, hit those credits. Let's start today's show. Joining us on the podcast once again today is a returning champion here to our Crack Rackets shows. Of course, you all know him best as the head coach of the University of Michigan men's tennis team. I know him as my coach. Welcome back to the show, head coach Adam Steinberg. Coach, happy new year. How are you doing today? I'm great. Thanks, Alex. Thanks for having me. Happy new year to you. Oh, it is always a pleasure to have you. And by the way, when I say my coach, that means any faults I may have, you can blame Coach Steinberg. Entirely his fault, as always. But, Coach, it is always great to have you here. And, you know, we can get right into it. A lot of people celebrated this November. Michigan beats Ohio State on the football field. That's awesome. That was cute. But that was, you know, the dessert course. Because the real meal of the season, we beat the Buckeyes this year. And I don't care. We can get to everything else in a little bit. What does that win mean to this program at this stage? Yeah, obviously it meant a ton to um, to not only the current team, but to all the past players um, that have, you know, been through the wars with Ohio State and were waiting for that moment, um, especially at home. It was, uh, you know, a memory we will have for a long time, that's for sure. Um, so it was a lot of fun. Uh, that day and uh, yeah great win for, for our team uh, long time coming that's for sure no oh, absolutely and something I noticed in looking at your schedule this year and again I want to touch on a bunch of things in today's show but you've got a double header with Ohio State you've got a double header now with Illinois you're playing home and home in those series each year is that a byproduct of last season's only Big Ten schedule, the impact it had on the rankings? Is that you three coaches saying, we are never going to allow that to happen again? A part of it. We um, It was a lot of frustration last year with, with all that, as you know. But, um, you know, with losing a couple programs in the Big Ten, which was really tragic to our conference, as you know. Um, still very upset about that. You know, we felt... Um, Ty and Brad and I, we felt like, hey, we, you know, there's two, now there's two uh, scheduling spots opened, you know, in our 25. And, you know, why not? Let's play. Let's let's play twice a year. There are always great matches. You know, Illinois and Ohio State, to me, will always be top-ranked teams. So it's, it's, it's awesome for us. Um, 
that we can drive three hours, go to Illinois and play one of the best teams in the country and, and, and do a home and away, which is, uh, which works out great for us. So, yeah. Um, those are some of the reasons. No, and it works out great for us fans as well. Who doesn't enjoy watching Michigan, Ohio state, who doesn't enjoy watching yeah. Michigan, Illinois. And so yeah, I, to, get, to get the Buckeyes here and then go there every year, I think is great for the fans. Mm-hmm. And now you get to avoid the dreaded, wait, Illinois and Ohio State are both on the road this year? It's like, now that's not an issue either. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's, and, that's exactly right. Yeah, so we'll take it. And, you know, you use the word frustrations to describe last season. And just, again, for the listeners, some backstory here. You look back to the 2020 season. Thrill of my lifetime uh, to watch that run to the, and maybe that says too much about me, but to watch, you know, our team get to the national indoor semifinals in 2020 and momentum clearly with the Wolverines there to start that season. And then COVID hits. And in in particular for Big Ten schools, there was no fall. You know, you're not getting to go play matches. You're barely getting to practice, if anything, at all. And so, you know, coming into January, it was still an experienced team, right? A lot of those guys returning from the year prior. But how difficult was the start of the season for this group? In terms of last year in January? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it was was tough. The whole... You know, obviously, it's many people have it way tougher than us. <laughs> that's for sure. Um, we always talk about the big picture here, but specific Michigan tennis, yeah, it was it was tough coming in January. You know, only a conference schedule wasn't easy um, on anybody. Not allowed to play non-conference. I understood it. Um, it was a time there was. Um, I felt like. I always looked at it. The Big Ten was trying to protect these athletes, and and so it was the it was the right decision. But um, there were things that we were fighting for, um, you know, nationally that I felt, you know, I didn't think it was fair to be honest. If I use that word, um, and I thought it was um, actually unfair to our players in Ohio State, Illinois, and you know, our conference of where we really deserve to be. Um, But on the other hand, we got to play and we got to have a season and that, you know, we're thankful for. So, yeah. And when you look at that season, 15 and five overall now, you know, didn't get to finish the kickoff weekend because again, there was another COVID scare and Michigan shut down all athletics for a little bit. Um, But when you look at that season, 15 and five, I know, you know, it was a first-round NCAA loss. But still, uh, was last year a step forward for this group? For sure. Yeah, it's been um, – I feel it's been a step forward pretty much our whole time here. Um, and there were so many uh, positives last year in a lot of in, – in so many ways. We didn't finish uh, like we – definitely not like we wanted to. So, you know – the NCAA tournament was definitely not a step forward, but when we look back on the year, um, without a doubt, I mean, you know, getting our first um, Big Ten regular season champion, co-champion with Ohio State, having that banner up and getting the trophy and just uh, realizing that, hey, we're, you know, we have an experience, we're a very good team. And, um, and so, yeah, for sure, there was, um, like I said, it was tough um, not having the non-conference schedule. Definitely hurt. Um, 
But overall, without a doubt, we took a step forward in our program. A lot of, a lot of really uh, fun memories and good things happened. No, absolutely. We've already touched on the Ohio State victory, and I think every Big Ten match throughout the year, particularly, again, Michigan, Ohio State, Illinois, all of those were so enjoyable. Looking at the numbers last year, 13 doubles pairings played. That's on the higher side. I won't lie. And again, you didn't have a fall, so I'm sure the season was more experimentation than anything else. You had a lot of players you wanted to play. But what leads to that number? 13 pairings. Again, That I'm sure that's not the goal. You went deep in the numbers. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know that. Um, without question, not having the fall um, was the main reason. We were, we were trying to find teams that work we were you know usually in the fall obviously we'll send you know uh, guys to all these fall events and we get a you know a good read on, on who we feel matches up together so yeah we hopefully that number is not I don't think that number will be there this year um, but I think that had a big effect on it without a doubt and we were kind of using the first half of the year to find the teams that we were most comfortable with but yeah 13 is a lot many well for what it's worth you've hit 17 this fall like so 13 not yeah. impressive actually 17 is <laughs> yeah. a much better number but i imagine because when you look at this team again we know what fenty can do we know what styler can do you know maloney bd those are all guys we've seen prove it on the singles court I feel like when you look at this team, doubles the doubles point, you know, how big of a focus has that been this fall? Because Connor's been a stalwart in the lineup since he walked on campus. And, you know, obviously Seymour and Fenty, that's as good as you're going to get at number one doubles. Provides a level of comfort for sure. Has doubles been something stressed this fall? Yeah, it's a huge priority in our program. We pretty much practice doubles on a daily basis. Um, but we're really excited about uh, some of the guys that have come in that have double skills that we feel will really help us. So we felt like Nino, Aaron Schneider, and Andrew, you know, became a really, uh, you know, great team. Um, we definitely miss Connor and Matias because I we felt they were the best doubles players, not only in our team, but in the country to me. Um, so that was a big loss, without a doubt. But so we, we focus on it. I know it's may sound boring to hear but we yeah we we that's a massive priority in in what we do actually Benny yesterday yesterday first day of practice first thing we talked about is doubles as the first thing that came out of our mouth so um so yeah it's uh it's something that um and again the beginning of the season we're, we'll probably experiment a little bit with some different teams because we have a lot of guys um but hopefully we get into our uh one, two, and three um, doubles pretty quick here. Yeah. If I, if for me, if you're experimenting, just throw out the Zederbauer-Aaron Schneider duo. That's a great named team. Like, that's just – that's a lot of words that right there. Cool, yeah, like that's it. what I'm saying. Zederbauer and Aaron Schneider, uh, that works. But you talk about the size of the roster. It's a big team this year. And I'm curious, yeah. what what led to that decision? Is it just, again, the, there happens to be five classes of – high school graduates right now in college and so the roster is going to get bigger or you know is that a conscious choice by you guys for a specific reason yeah no we have uh 12 guys it's it's a big roster for sure i think um some of the fifth year stuff um obviously with bd coming back you know adds to that but we um we feel with uh 
you know, the way our programs run um, in terms of our energy and the way we do things, it's um, to have a little bigger team, it, it helps. It helps on that side. And, and we made a decision to bring, you know, a, um, a bunch of young guys in and try to develop them. And, and the numbers got a, a little bigger, but, but we're happy with it. And, um, and uh, you know, this day and age, you need a lot of depth. <laughs> You know, you need a lot of depth. Uh, that's for sure. If you look around the country, I think the rosters are getting bigger everywhere with COVID, with fifth year, with transfers. You know, there's so much going on, but um, but it works well for us, and it, it's a really cool uh, environment to have all those guys. It really is. Yeah, and you talk about that depth. I feel like that is the biggest difference, and I've said this on other shows, but you know, going back to your time whether it be at St. John's, whether it be you know, <laughs> Alabama, Pepperdine. The biggest difference between college tennis in 2022 and 1992, I say that lovingly, I'm not trying to date you, you know that, um, is the teams ranked 30, 40. You know, the, the number one, number two teams from 92, they could compete nowadays for sure. But it's the teams ranked 30, 40, 50 nowadays. I feel like they blow out their counterparts, and I'm curious if you feel that you know, as a coach nowadays. 100 percent you know i um i tell the guys all the time i'm like sometimes when you get older you're like oh in my day man they were there you know how it goes uh went to school uphill both ways you know all that stuff but um you know i've been coaching since 1989 and i've never seen depth um in our sport the way it is now it is the best i've ever seen it where like you said, you have teams ranked 30, 40, 50, even higher that can compete with top 20 teams easily. So it's um, it's great. You know, I, I felt back when I started, you would have the top five, top 10, and then it would really drop um, from there almost. But it, it doesn't happen like that now. So um, I think it's great. Yeah. And. You know, I'm trying to change up some of the questions I'm asking. I just think listeners are sick of me. Uh, I also know coaches have texted me and like, come on, can't you switch up that question? I'm like, all right, this is for you, coaches. But, I mean, not to get too philosophical, why do you think that is? Is it international? I'm sure it's a factor of these things, international recruiting. To me, doing this series in particular, like you've got some killer coaches across the country. And everyone you introduce, former All-American, former national championship winner, whatever it may be, why do you think college tennis, at least from the product side, has taken off? Yeah, I mean, you answered it I, in a lot of ways. I, Well, a couple of reasons, I believe. I think the international effect, for sure, has a great effect on the level of the sport, which is terrific. Um, and, you know, as the years go on, you know, we now, maybe back in 1990, you know, kids from countries you, you wouldn't think, you know, never really heard about our product. Now, with social media and the whole thing, the Internet, that, you know, there's n- there's no surprises anymore. Um, and our product has reached the whole world. And now you have amazing depth with the international guys for sure. And I say this all the time, and I'm not just saying it to you. Um, the coaching has never, ever been better. You have so many young guys that are getting after it like crazy, um, not only on the head coach front, which I, I don't think the assistant coaches get enough credit, and they are busting their butt, and they, you know, 
99.9% of those guys are not making amazing livings and they do it because they, they, this is what they love. They want to become college coaches and the young assistants are awesome. I mean, I look around the country and, and I can name so many that do a pretty incredible job. Um, so that, that's a big factor as well. And I, and I think the, um, the support from the universities, from the athletic departments has really um, improved in so many ways in terms of facilities, um, especially, you know, you didn't have that back in the day. Now you pretty much go anywhere and facilities are improving. They're being, you know, new ones are going up all the time and it's just uh, tough support a lot. Um, but there's a, there's a, you know, all those reasons, I'm sure I'm missing some, but those are some of them that I feel has, has caused, you know, the depth of our sport to improve. With, with all of that in mind, and you look at the Michigan roster, you know, you've got guys like Styler, others as well. Is it easier to sell college tennis to international players than it once was? Um, yeah, I think it is. I, I think, um, you know, the degree, you know, travels the world now. And um, I think they see the level of college tennis and the level of player is is pretty pretty damn high. <laughs> um, and, you know, they, and they, you know, they'll look in the top hundred and, and see a Stevie Johnson and, and all these guys, you know, Mackie McDonald, and, you know, we can name a bunch of them, Cameron Norrie and how well he's doing. And, and, you know, they, they notice those things. Hey, those guys played college tennis. And I think that has an effect as well that our guy, you know, our college players are going on the tour and, and, and doing really well. So I think that has a big effect. I think eight of the 13 Americans right now in the top 100 played college tennis or something yeah, crazy like that. Yeah, it's awesome. I mean, you got, you know, Max Cressy doing Unreal, JJ coming on. You know, it's it's awesome to see. Do you count Brooksby as a college guy? Uh, yes. Yeah. yeah, why not? I agree. He was there. He was yes, on campus. It counts. If you attended a class, you are a college guy, and he attended a class. Um, well, you know, again, I want to get back to the team. I'm also trying to keep some of our secret secrets, but, you know, because you got to keep an eye on number one. Um, but, you know, I, I want to talk about, again, the job of head coach, because I think what people fail to realize, X's and O's is like, what, 20%? of what you do and it comes down to the marketing and you know the recruiting and the budget all of these things i mean i don't want to say is 20 percent a fair assessment but as you've gone through your coaching career how much you know importance do you place on those things as opposed to just the development on court yeah i mean it's i don't know what number you want to throw at it but um there's a lot of hats we wear for sure you know um Obviously, there's programs around the country where they don't have the near the support that we get here, and it's, it's different everywhere. But a head coach um, in tennis um, with their assistant coach, it's it's uh, there's a lot away from the X's and O's. That's for sure. You know, on the academic side, um, that's that's a big, uh, obviously huge priority for us. Um, but yeah, I mean. You know, but you, you know, we're also trying as hard as we can to develop these kids on a daily basis on and off the court. So that's the part that I love most about being a college tennis coach is that, you know, they don't come for an hour, take a lesson and go home, that 
you know, they're not a number. They're a part of our family forever. And so, you know, it can't be just X's and O's. <laughs> there's a whole part of it on that front. And then, like you said, there's the, there's the you know, we're, we don't have, you know, most coach, tennis coaches around the country don't have a big marketing department. They don't have, you know, that support. So, uh, you know, a lot of us are doing that on our own. A lot of head coaches are fundraising. They're out there, you know, trying to um, build their budgets, build facilities, renovate different things. Um, there's so many, um, <laughs> uh, you know, things that we're trying to do. Um, but, you know, the the part of developing that, developing them on court obviously has to be a massive priority. And, um, you know, these kids have to come first to me before anything else. So well, that's what I try and do. Yeah, and I think you do a pretty darn good job. Um, with that development in mind, how do you balance individual development with team development? And let's just start with practice first. I, I mean, I happen to have some experience. I know the team practice is a big thing for you. Yeah. But, you know, how do you strike that balance between the two? Yeah, there has to be a balance. So we um, obviously our program is built around team, as you know, and um, that will never change. But, you know, the we get on the court individually a ton with these guys and, you know, and have a development plan for them. And, and because it's really important to us that that they develop individually as well to have that option of going out and, and playing on the tour one day. So we take that very personally and um, Benjamin Becker, my assistant, is, you know, could think of a better guy to have with me to, to help develop these guys. He's been there. He's done it. He's He really knows what it takes on the collegiate level, on the pro level. So him and I, I feel, um, are great partners in that. And, and um, no, we're, we're out on the court a lot. I mean, we're, we're not getting any younger. He isn't either. He's, <laughs> he's going to kill me for saying that. But, um, <laughs> But we, uh, that's, that's a big part of it. And I think it's a big part of, of every program around the country. When I talk to coaches that, Hey, these, these kids, you know, they, um, I know in our program team is talked about all the time, but there, there's a, uh, there's a big part of what we do, um, to get these guys out one-on-one for sure. I wonder if the current class of you know, guys on the team, I'm sure know it, but high school recruits know the Ben Becker Agassi match in Agassi's final U.S. Open. It's like I think I was maybe 10 or 11 when that happened, and so these guys even younger than that. Um, or you know, obviously NCAA, you know, well, everything he did well at Baylor. But now you're making me feel old. I don't like this. Uh, yeah, um, no, but it, you know, one of the things I've been asking coaches, and I'm curious. With the 20-hour rule, I think that's a little bit more lenient, but eight-hour rule at the end of the year. You know, did you know your, your compliance officer where the compliance office was when you were at Penn State? I imagine the answer is no. And you just think nowadays, I mean, that with the way these players know their compliance officer, there could be a form or there could be some sort of way to where if they want a little extra work, that's something that they're able to uh, that's something that they're able to have because I just feel too frequently you coaches are in a position where you have to tell your players sorry I can't coach you right now and that's antithetical to the entire model yeah I mean <laughs> that's a bit, we could talk about that all day but the, <laughs> um, I mean you have to I mean I'm not you have to stay within the 20 hours we've been doing it for years and we understand that's and 
players understand, the student athletes understand this is what it is coming in. And, you know, you, the goal is to find these self-motivated guys that are, are going to go out and, and practice on their own outside of the coaches. But um, I don't think that rule will, will ever change, um, you know, strictly because, you know, on the academic side and, and just time management for them. But, um, you know, there's, uh, like I said, they, you know, if you're self-motivated and you're determined um, I actually like that word better. You're determined more than motivated, and and that's what you'll do. You know, you'll you'll come out on your own and, and do those things. But we can't force the way the model's set up, and we have to live with it. Um, that's that's what it is. So I, um, but I do think even within the 20 hours, that you can do a lot with these guys to help develop them into uh, better players. Yeah. Well, with that in mind, and you know, again, a part of the uh, the reason I want to do this series, I think, too many fans, too many players, parents don't get the chance to hear from all of you coaches directly. Give me the pitch. Why should I come to Ann Arbor? Why should I be a Wolverine moving forward? <laughs> you, you can answer that better than me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, it's, a, it's a special place. I mean, we, you know. Um, just we feel that um, you know our tradition, the pride, just the the combination of academics and athletics is pretty special here. And and Ann Arbor is a really cool place, as you know. Um, even in January, it's yeah. amazing. It's always seventy degrees in our indoor, Alex. <laughs> it's great. Is it? I think there's some days at sixty-eight. <laughs> Especially the older you guys get, the colder it slowly becomes. Yes, that's true. <laughs> yeah. that's true. Yeah. We don't talk about the cold. Yeah. <laughs> no. But, uh, but, yeah, it's been, a, it's been a great eight years for sure. Mm-hmm. No, and I'm trying to bite my tongue. I'm like, yeah, there's this, there's that, there's this other <laughs> thing. I'm like, I don't want to give it the free job. But, you know, I'm curious. Where do you take Becker when he comes in for his visit? Where do you take him to dinner? Where do we take Benny? Um, ooh, that's a great question. Is he like I'm trying you to know, think? Um, you know, he came in the summer. Okay. And I, I think we went to the top of the park. Do you know what that is? Yeah, of course. Great choice. Great choice. I was saying yeah. he's not black it's pearl worthy. You know, he's not. <laughs> yeah. it's not but I think crazy. it must have taken him to uh, maybe. I think is he loves like um, foods from all over the world. So I think Sabas was our dinner place tonight. That's a good decision. I like that. I was going to say, I feel like he's not a Gandhi dancer sort of guy. Like, he's trying to get away from that. And he's not right. a Gandhi dancer. He's, yeah. a, um, he's definitely, uh, you know, much more worldly and loves food from everywhere. So, yeah, yeah I like that about him because I like that too. Yeah, no. And Ann Arbor's a good place for that. Um, yes. You've got from Mr. Yes. Spots to Sava's, and it's all just one big block. Um, yeah. But with that said, you know, and I'm stealing from Coach Doherty of Maryland here. How great was that first Panera lunch and just being able to be on the road again this fall with your team? Yeah, to to be able – you mean to eat together? Yeah, eat just together. all this. Yeah. Like she and said, actually, she's even valuing the Panera. She's like, I've never had a Panera sandwich taste so good. I 100% agree again with that. <laughs> yeah. It was really cool to be able – that's a big part of um, – bonding and, and the team experience is going out to eat and, and being together so 
Um, we do get sick of Panera sometimes, though. <laughs> but um, our spot this fall was Firehouse Subs. We loved that. Ooh, interesting. Yeah. yeah, that was a big spot for us this fall, which I hadn't eaten in a long time, which I probably shouldn't. <laughs> no, you're looking good, Coach. <laughs> yeah. I didn't stand up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but the um, – that was a big spot for us. That was, uh, oh, I, I was thinking about it now. That was great. Yeah, no. Uh, no, and, you know, again, looking at, to get back to the team, uh, talking about the guys and how they performed, and, you know, we, we talked about the doubles side. I'm curious from the singles perspective, and I know some guys were off playing pro events and, you know, UTR events, what all that may be. Let's start with the guy with the gaudiest singles record, Gavin Young, 9-2. and two, And obviously Gavin comes in, and you know, for those listeners who don't know, his father Jeff was the head coach at Minnesota. That's where he was planning to play. Now, obviously, with their decision to shut down the program, he makes the decision to come over to Michigan. Talk to me about his first semester of competition. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't—terrific. I mean, I, you know, based on the numbers you just spoke about, but also— um, his work ethic and, um, you know, every day how hard he, he tries to get better and, and it showed. And, you know, he played some big tournaments and he finished the fall winning the, the Big Ten singles. What a way to finish for a freshman to come in. And, you know, nobody knows college tennis better than Gavin. He's been around it his whole life. He, you know, he has a great understanding of what of the whole thing's about. Um but his individual play was great. I mean, even his losses, we felt, were um, against very good players, you know. And, um, you know, at regional, at the uh, All-American. And um, so we, I know he was excited about it, and so were we, for sure. Uh, it couldn't have gone better in a lot of ways. For him. It's, it's still an M on his chest, just a slightly different shade. So, yeah. you know, yeah, he can justify it to himself. Yep. But, yeah, you know, looking at the team, and again, we know Fenty, we know Styler, we know what we're getting from them. I do want to talk about Maloney and his season last year because you look for Pat, uh, I think it was uh, 9-3 and in Big Ten play and, you know, was up to the number three singles position, 7-4 and there throughout the course of the year. It felt like oftentimes he was a swing player in a match and the matches where he was winning you know we're finding that fourth point easily and sometimes you know in the matches he'd struggle a little bit that might be just make life a little bit more difficult that said that you know I, he's probably grown another foot since I last saw him but you know the talent has always been so evident what growth did you see from him last year what can we expect from him this season he needs to grow this way more. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this way. yeah give him your but, firehouse um... sub belly <laughs> yeah <laughs> Um, he, uh, no, that's interesting. Uh, what you pointed out, um, he, he's obviously a major factor in, in our success. Um, to me, from when I recruited him out of high school, I feel he has pretty incredible intangibles and things in his tennis that a lot of players can't do. And he's a major part of, of our program. He's a major part of our lineup this year, for sure. Um, you know, we felt that, you know, he made a big jump last year getting playing in the top three, which I know was a goal for him. Um, and Benny and I both feel he could be one of the best players in the country. And I think he feels that, too. He just needs to stay healthy. That's his biggest thing, you know, Pat, is 
when he's healthy and he, he gets to practice consistently, um, watch out. He can, he can play big-time tennis. So, um, you know, he had a great start to the year. Like you talked about his Big Ten record last year. He had a, you know, pretty unreal start to his Big Ten season. And 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 then it got a little inconsistent, which happens, you know, throughout, it, throughout the year. But, um but I know he's super motivated. First day of practice yesterday, he was ready to go. I was I was really excited to see that. Um, so, no, to answer your question, you know, the one area I think that he's, you know, not only on the single side, but to really make an impact on the double side, which he hasn't done as much, I know, as he wants. He got, you know, he ended up playing second doubles with Stye last year at the end, and they did well. And I know he's he's really looking forward to making a jump there which we need yeah no you saw again no one hits the i mean others do but it, no one hits it more explosively than pat when yeah, that forehand is clicking yeah that ball just he flies does. off the strings it really does another standout to me last year and it's been an up and down fall for him i know by the record six and six but when i watch bickerstaff i see the future i'm just like if this guy is your five or six singles when he's a junior when he's a senior your team is winning because he is just a tough out and I'm curious, you know, again, I think it was nine and five last year, uh, you know, uh, throughout the course of the year in singles. And again, had some big wins this summer as well as not only the fall, but talk to me about his growth as a freshman and just what you saw, what you can expect a jump from him this season. Yeah, I love being asked about Jacob, actually. <laughs> it's, uh, um, I love talking about him because he's the most improved player in our team. He's one of the most improved players I've coached um in a long time and, and it's because he loves tennis so much he's he can't get enough of it he's he's playing all the time he's traveling in the summers he's every thanksgiving break christmas break if he can go out and find the tournament he will and um you know he'll tell me hey steiny i'm i'm going to play this i'm like bar like you know he just <laughs> finds events he wants to be great and the results have shown i mean he you know Last year he came on, but this summer he made a big jump um, in in his results. And this fall, he, he you know if you look back at his All American, it was pretty awesome. You know, winning a couple rounds, beating one of the best players in the country from Georgia. And um, Jacob is uh, he's only going to go here. He's only going to go up because he just has a love of the game and of the sport that a lot of guys don't have, mm-hmm. and that goes a long way in his. He's improving. He's so coachable. I can talk forever about it. But no, it also feels like he's got a little yeah. fu to him, right? Where it's just kind of like he does not take any crap on the court. Yeah, he's got an edge to him for sure. Yeah. Uh, he's got that competitive edge, uh, without a doubt. And um, for the most part, not all the time, but for the most part, it helps him. Yeah, yeah. it does, and it helps our team. But uh, Jacob, now his next step is to bring it into the dual match season. You know, the level that we see a lot of times outside of that. And I know he's excited for the year, for sure. Yeah, and I mean, even beyond them, obviously, when you look at this team's roster, Nino's back as well. And, you know, I watched the Ohio State match. That was a heck of a comeback from him against Cash to get that victory on the road. And you always like having a lefty in your lineup, right? It never hurts. And you get two of them, maybe, with him and Beatty or just, uh, you know, all these different things. I'm sure, I'm tell me about the co- competition for those you know final single spots because there are plenty of returners but plenty of new guys in the mix this season it had to have been a fun fall 
I'm going to let you do our lineup. Can you do it? Yeah, well, I haven't seen the freshman yet. I'm looking for the scouting report, and then I can give you my tentative works. Okay. I'm going to use you. We don't have a volunteer <laughs> assistant, so we can. Oh, um, finally. This is my calling. No, I'm looking long-term. It's probably, you know, should Becker's got a good 20 years in him, let's be clear. Um, but then it's probably like Fanislo gets a five-year tenure, and then you'll come calling to me. Okay. Yeah, that sounds right, actually. Yeah, um, that's the succession plan. Yeah, you asked me about the depth and the lineup. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's um, that's not going to be easy. That's for sure. And, and I, it's a good problem to have. You know, I, I drive Benny nuts with it. I'm like, so what do you think? <laughs> but you know, but it. I've been doing this a long time, and it, and it always plays out on the court. Um, and. You know, we may not have it exactly right the first week. And I, I think guys deserve the chance to prove themselves and, and have that opportunity to move up uh, even from where they start. Um, but, you know, that's definitely um, a good problem to have for us. We, we, we have a lot of guys. We, we feel like depth is, is definitely our strength of our team. Um, so it's, it's not that the lineup, it won't be easy. It's not going to be easy, that's for sure. It's not clear-cut, um, you know, right now at all. But but we'll get there, that's for sure. And we'll get it in order of strength the way it should be. So, Does Cooksey win in the weight room? I mean, the guy's a brick. Yeah. <laughs> he's uh, he's, he's going to be coming out of the weight room more. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I like it. No. Uh, especially in the winter. He knows we, we're not going to be at the beach very much. So he's yeah. Gonna- no, but, you know, with him, talk to me about the freshmen, and I, I know you get a couple of them. We're, you know, last year getting international players to come to school was very difficult for everyone. Was that yeah. a little bit easier this year? Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, you know, these a lot of these guys that we have were signed during the, you know, sure. you know the lockdown times. Um, but it's been awesome, man. I, I, you know, these four guys that have come in, they – they're so close. They're, you know, really great friends already. And they've, um, I've loved, and I know Benny would say the same thing. We've loved uh, having them in our program now. They've added so much and it's been, it's, it's been great. You know, I have a, you know, a patron from Thailand. I never hit a ball in my life and it was all through Zoom. And now he's, you know, at Michigan. So it's definitely different. That's yeah. for sure. Um, the recruiting was way different. Um, we're now, you know, we can bring them in, we can go and, and do those things. So, um, but again, it's been uh, it's been pretty sweet. Those guys, um, I think they've grown already to love Michigan, and uh, you feel it. Yeah. No. And again, last couple of things before I pick your brain on the big topics. Looking at the schedule. Uh, you start out Virginia Tech coming to Ann Arbor Western before the kickoff weekend. You guys are headed down to Winston Salem first match Wake Forest, and again my heart dropped. I was like, no, and then I was like, wait, this is a good thing. I, I am curious. Can I get a look inside the strategy session for the kickoff draft? Is it like a, I mean, I know this year ranking wise is a little tougher, but is it like all right, this is X, this is Y, this is Z? You know, how much thought does go into that kickoff draft? Which I think. We should have live cameras on all of you throughout. I think we can make it way more fun. Yeah, we have a war room, like the draft room. You can come in. <laughs> exactly. Um, well, I'll find out you're on the uh, phone with Parsa trying to get the pitch beforehand. Yeah. I'll be crushed. 
<laughs> I have some amazing stories one day I can tell you of where I've been doing that draft. <laughs> Interesting. It's going to be in my book one day. Um, you know, this year, I'll be honest with you, we didn't have a lot of choices um, because our ranking was low at the end of the year that um, we – the one priority that we had is that we wanted to play inside. Okay. So that was, that was a big deal. So when we were picking there, there wasn't many indoor, um, you know, sites left. So, and, you know, we felt good about going to wake East coast, easy travel, um, you know, a team that's not on our schedule. That's, that's a big one for me. I always like to go and play, you know, at a place that, we're not going to, you know, that we don't see normally. We haven't played Wake in a, in a long time. So that was um, that was a big um, thing for us in our strategy that, hey, let's play a, a big-time program and not on our schedule, indoors, um, East Coast. Um, so those were the reasons, and we're, we're excited about it. Um, we think, you know, we, we, we can't wait to go play that. I love that weekend. I think it's awesome how yeah. that's set up. Uh, what was the last time? 18 NCAA tournament, something like that. Like that second round when we were down in Winston-Salem. That would have been something, yeah, along those lines. But, I mean, looking at the rest of the schedule at Harvard, you know, the doubleheaders, Illinois, Ohio State, Notre Dame, at TCU, at UCF, Columbia, Baylor. Are you fine if the 500 rule goes away forever? <laughs> That was not nice. Yeah, no, it's, yeah, I didn't know how else to segue it. That's not nice. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I've always been about uh, playing the, the schedule we can and challenging the guys. I've always had that philosophy going back to my St. John's days to play the best teams we can. Um, I love it. I know our players love it. You know, not especially not having a conference, a non-conference schedule last year. They can't wait to go play these. Teams. Um, that's for sure. And Benny and I feel the same way. And um, you know, you have these relationships with coaches for years, and it, it's fun playing. Like all those schools you mentioned, we're we're really looking forward to it, man. It's gonna it's gonna be fun, um, especially you know spring break, you know, down at TCU, and then going to UCF would be awesome. Um, so no, it'll be fine. It'll be. I, I think it's a great thing. The tougher the better for for us, you know, to see where we are. Um, that's for sure. Yeah, I also feel. I mean, again, to get back to the rankings, I know this is a topic near and dear to your heart. It feels like losses aren't penalized. Wins are rewarded, but losses aren't penalized. And I, again, does that sort of, at some to some degree, go into the schedule as well? Yeah, I don't really. Um, I don't. To be honest, be straight up, I don't really think about that. Sure. When I um, when I do the schedule, I just. You know, we want to play the best teams we can. I obviously don't want to, you know, schedule University of Florida in January and go there and um, things like that. But um, I don't really look at that. I actually like the uh, formula that we have. I'll be honest with you, the ITA ranking formula, I think it um, it always can be tweaked here and there. But um, I didn't like it last year. <laughs> 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 uh, but when the le playing field is level where everyone has a, a shot to play the schedule that, that they're capable of playing, 
um, I think I, I think it's fair. I really do. So, um, on the individual okay. side, the one adjustment I would make, and I've asked other coaches, curious if you would be in favor of a 12-month system where instead of resetting at the start of each season, we just drop the seniors out and we carry the rankings on. Because obviously you look now, no Draxel, no Navarro, like how much weight can you really put in these December rankings? Yeah, no, I um, I like that. I, I think that's a good idea. Mm-hmm. You always have the best idea. Well, every so often I throw one out there that works. Believe me, I have plenty of bad ones. And so let's get to some of those bad ones now. Um, okay. No, I, I guess another big picture question for you for college tennis. We talk about growing the game all the time. When you focus on growing the sport, should it be focusing on the product, the continued changes we make, or is, is the issue at this point marketing? Is that what we should be focused on as a college tennis community? I think it's both. I think we have a responsibility, a big responsibility to grow the game first and foremost. Um, doing that um, by, you know, obviously with COVID it's been tough, but uh, one is getting out in the community um, is a huge deal. Um, and getting young kids out to uh, college matches. I know for me, growing up in New York, um, what changed my life was going to the Columbia matches when I was a kid and seeing those great teams. Howie Endelman would love hearing this. Uh, <laughs> watching watching his teams at Columbia really motivated me to go on and want to play college tennis. Um, and so getting kids out to the matches, I mean, there's so many things. And just um, we have to get on TV uh, to grow our sport, to people to see what an amazing product we have. Um, that's a has to be of utmost uh, importance um, as well. Um, but we, you know, we have a, you know, we have a responsibility to me to the sport, not only to our teams, um, especially in our sport. We can have such a big impact um, locally um, for sure. And if we all do it around the country, man, we can we can grow the game um, immensely. We have these amazing facilities. We, you know, we have, you know, so many things in our favor um, that I feel we could do better. Um, so when you ask, is it on the marketing end? It is, but we also need to uh, be hands-on and get out there ourselves. Um, and then on the marketing side, I don't know if you but getting on television has to be um, a massive priority for us. I see it in other sports, what it's done. Um, so Hopefully that answers your question. It does, and I, I want to pry a bit further, and I want to get back to the television component in a second, and we'll get to some of yeah. my bad ideas regarding that. Um, but in terms of the marketing side, because I do think this is essential, and I did an interview with Bruce Burke a couple of days ago, and he was like, well, what was your first year at Michigan? I go, Coach, my freshman year, I distinctly remember, and it wasn't the greatest Michigan team. He gets mad at me when I say that, but it wasn't the greatest Michigan team, but we took the doubles point versus Ohio State, yeah. and there was a buzz around that, and I remember Ty just laying into his team. And I just remember being like, I, this is for me. I was like, this is the pro- – I was like, the, I've, I'd been to a match or two before. I was like, where has this been my entire life? Um, and, you know, you talk about that community experience, and I can speak firsthand to this. 
you sent us coaches as we were getting prepared for nationals, our club tennis team. You're like, how can we help you guys? And you would send players to practice and just build that connection. And that's, you know, now you have a built-in group of 50 people who every Friday night, we're starting the night at the club tennis or at the tennis match. We'll work our way elsewhere afterwards. You know, that's one prominent example that I, you know, I know personally. But what are the things your team is doing to get out in the community, to build those connections? What are perhaps, not not that other coaches, I'm sure, don't have these ideas, but what are the things coaches can do? Yeah, I mean, I, well, first, that, you know, connecting with the student body is massive. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, one thing we have, and I know a lot of uh, universities have, is that their facilities are a also a club. So you have a you have a built-in fan base from all the tennis players in the community that play at your place, um, but getting out and connecting with the club team, uh, getting out, uh, to, you know, because our sport, you know, a lot of times, you know, I'll hear this all the time. Like, I've never been to a tennis match. You know, I'm a junior. Oh, where's the tennis facility? Uh, you know, so that that is, um, and like I said, with COVID, the last years, it's been it's been tough. And we get it. Um, but as things start to hopefully normalize here, I think um, getting back and connecting um, with the student body um, and besides the community has to be a priority for all of us. Um, because you, like you said, you can make such a difference. Um, when you get in an indoor tennis center, you know, you don't need 700 people, you know, to make a difference. You know, you get out 50, 60 students and, and it's a it's a great atmosphere besides, you know, the, the all the other uh, people from the community coming. But, um, you know, I that's one thing in my 30 something years now I'm doing this. When you ask me why college tennis has in, like what's gotten better, not only the level of play, but the 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 attendance at matches has improved beyond belief. And I think that's helped our sport a ton. I think it's actually also has helped the uh, level of play, you know, for these kids to play in front of these big crowds. And coaches have done a a really great job. You know, if it's food at the matches, it's having themes, you know, connecting to the Greek um, society on campus, which is huge and getting out. I know I have gone out and spoken to uh, sororities, fraternities, you know, and invited them out to matches. You know, coaches have done things like, um, you know, whoever, whatever uh, fraternity or sorority comes to the most matches, you know, you get them a, a prize, a big prize at the end. You know, connecting through them, I think, is huge. Because uh, you have so many uh, students that, you don't realize that I've played high school tennis and have that parents play tennis um, and have a connection to the sport. And we need to, uh, we need to reach them for sure. And, you know, I know in the past I've done clinics with the students, I've done clinics with the clubs. As you know, we've, you know, we're, you know, we've reached out to, um, you know, we'll invite different uh, academies to come to our matches and see it firsthand there, there's a ton of things um, that you can do. Um, you know, I remember early on, and I don't know if you remember this, but early on in our indoor, I set up a, you know, a, plat- a small platform tennis court for the kids to come, small rackets so they can play 
during the match is balls flying everywhere, but we try, you know, <laughs> whatever we can do to, um, to bring them out. Because to me, there's nothing, obviously I'm biased, but there's nothing better than a college tennis match. It's, it's so different than what most people think. And I have never, ever heard somebody say after coming for the first time that they, they wouldn't want to come back. So you got to get them out there that first time. Yeah, I 1,000% would echo your sentiment. I would agree that 40 ten, uh, fans in the Varsity Tennis Center mean more than 110,000 in the big house. You just you hear every one of them. They get under your skin. And in my non-neutral days, it's very fun. It's like it's it's thoroughly enjoyable. And so, yeah, I, I would echo all of that. You, now to get back to the TV side, I also think this ties into that fan component as well as exciting as a doubles point is, and I think it's the most marketable property in all of tennis, 40 minutes, Russian roulette, everything matters, the energy levels through the roof, there's a lull that comes after that. And to your point, you can feed us pizza or donuts or whatever it may be, but unless you're a hardcore tennis fan, you kind of lose some attention or your attention span at the start of singles. Do you feel that lull? Is that the most concerning lull as we look at, you know, again, the product moving forward? Yeah, I mean, I obviously we want to um, we want to you know one of the things we've done is is reduced it to five minutes now, mm-hmm. um, the time in between, which I think helps. But that lull has always been a an, an issue in our sport. Um, I feel that part, and also I don't know if we're going to get to this, but the ending where matches are clinched and yeah. it's very confusing sometimes, but. Um, you know, to me, um, I hope, you know, I don't want to ever lose the doubles portion of our sport, that's for sure. I, I think not only for fans, um, I think so many people relate and, you know, and, and club players play doubles all the time and they love watching it. And, and like you said, it's, it's so intense and so exciting. Everybody's, you know, on the big courts, it's easy to watch. But I think uh, not having the warm-up for singles, lessening the time in between definitely has helped. I love it that we just go on and we just go and play. And, you know, for us, and I think for all the teams, I think the beginning of that singles, um, the energy of our players needs to be exactly what it is when we start the match in doubles. I think we can create that. And, but we need to, you know, we can't have people walking out the door after the doubles, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think there's, even in that five minutes, I think there's different things you can do to uh, keep their intention and keep them there. But the beginning of the singles, um, the energy, the excitement, um, not only not only do it because it helps um, to get off to a great start, um, but I, I think it keeps the fans' attention, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, absolutely. And so I have two solutions to it. This is where you'll say bad Uh, idea, Alex. Simultaneous start. I think in the next 10 to 15 years, we're going to try it as college tennis at some point, whether it's in a fall, whether it's at, you know, a national indoor, which Ty Tucker suggested, to which I suggested, well, then you'll win it and you'll accuse me of putting an asterisk next to it when I say it's just like 15 when they played with the format. Um, But I, I think simultaneous start, Again, you're probably getting no more than two, two and a half hours there. Everything's at once. You don't have the lull. You play, you know, four singles, one doubles. I'd work in substitutions, which we can get back to in a second, but is simultaneous start something that appeals to you? 
I've always, uh, it does. I, um, I'm open to anything, people that know me that mm -hmm. will grow our sport and add excitement and bring fans and, and help us get on television. I'm all for it. That's for sure. Because I think for all of us, uh, head coaches out there, our number one priority has to be to grow this, you know, our product, you know, um, we're losing programs left and right. And I think, um, your head's in the sand if you're not sitting there thinking, well, you know, what do we have to do to, you know, to stop that? That that's, you know, obviously should be a number one priority to not lose any more programs. Mm -hmm. And I think simultaneous has a lot of great components to it. I don't know why we can't try it. Um, Brad Dancer and I talked about it this Christmas break that maybe one day, one of our matches, we try to do something like that, you know, and I'm all for it. And, you know, you, I know you mentioned the four one. I always thought about the five one counting doubles as two points. Ooh, um, now we're talking. Something that I uh, like is still on six courts. And um, at one time, maybe you could put the doubles in the middle and, you know, play the six around it and something like that. But um, no, I, I would be open to a, experiment for that. I would hope um, that many coaches feel that way i'm not saying make a change now um when i was talking before this is the product we have this is what we you know we're doing but i'd always be open to that for sure man let's we, we have to try it and um you know why not why not experiment with it at certain times i think you mentioned the indoors why not okay. it'd be an awesome time to do it yeah i love that and I'm not saying I deserve credit for that conversation, but I may have interviewed Brad Dancer, and we may have talked about experimenting, and I may have spoken on behalf of the program and said, do it against us. I was <laughs> like, just uh, trust me, we're down. That came uh, from you. Knew yeah, it. Exactly. Um, no, the other thing, and he suggested it, so it's interesting that you mentioned, is in lieu of the simultaneous, you can still play doubles how you want to play it, because I do think that doubles point is so exciting. But start the clock. Let's put an hour and a half up. Let's put two hours up in singles. And every game counts. And we're just playing total game score. And it's still tennis. It's still the traditional 30, you know, 15, 30, 40 game. We can still even work in no ad. And every game you win is a point on the board for your team. And, you know, football has a, a time clock. You know, uh, basketball has a time clock. We just give tennis a time clock. Like, I don't, that doesn't, I, I don't think that compromises anything. Yeah, I gotta think about that one. Yeah, that's a that's a true dancerism. But I um, no, I'm thinking it through, and I um, no, I love you know, how, you know those all those ideas. I think they all should be on the table. I sometimes we throw the, these ideas out, and everyone's like, "No, you're destroying us. You're destroying tennis. You're you know, you're hurting the game. You know." But let I mean, why not discuss them and and do these things and actually, you know, maybe experiment in the fall with it and having a hidden duel and, and seeing what it's like. I mean, what would be the, you know, downside of, of doing that? I, I don't see any. Um, one of the things I, I feel we've done in the past is that sometimes we make changes too quickly and we're like, and then we, we, we regret it. So um, the experimentation, um, I feel, can be done. There's definitely times of the year where we can do those things. That would be super cool. Yeah, I, I agree with you, and I don't want to take up too much more of your time. Substitutions, though. I don't think a match should ever end with an injury withdrawal. Like, particularly, you, everyone's always got someone on the bench who could come in and just finish the match at a minimum. 
But I also think, whether it's simultaneous or anything else, you want your player to avoid that 15-minute lull. No, Keep in the back of their mind, you could get subbed out. Like I'm sure there have been matches where you're like, oh, I, I screwed that one up. Wish I could have played X instead of Y. Um, I, I like the substitution. I like the idea of a potential closer. I just think it adds excitement. I really like it. <laughs> I um, and the um, I know they do it in World Team Tennis, right? Mm-hmm. They have that, and I know Benny is a he loves that too. I know, yeah. yeah I think it, from what we've talked about. So yeah, that'd be I. I think that that'd be a really cool thing in our sport. Right. I do. I um, you know, is so again all like throw awesome it in my- the dancer match. That's what I'm just gonna keep saying is throw it in one of the dancer matches. Um. No, all right. With all of that said, this is always the sneaky one. I, I Coach Todd Chapman of Kansas came on this podcast a couple of days ago and said he would be more surprised if the NCAA individual tournament doesn't move than if it does at this point. Where are you with NCAA individuals? Um, you're saying that you've, you're getting a read that it's going to be moved to the fall? He's saying that if he's yeah. getting a read. Yeah, I yeah. will stay third no, no. party. I just yeah. wanted to, yeah, no, yeah. I, um, it's been, obviously there's been a lot of discussion. I've had discussions even over this Christmas break about it. Um, you know, I, I'm on the fence in terms of, do I feel it's definitely going to be moved or not? I, I, I don't know because the, it always comes down to the financial impact of it. And is that something the NCA, I know that, they look at it, and to me, if it costs one more dollar than what it's costing, you know, in May, I don't feel they're going to go that route. So, um, but it is a massive discussion going on. There's, I'm still thinking. I really don't. You know, someone asked me, called me over uh, break, and said, "Steiny, what do you think about this? Do you have it?" And I, you know, um, there's still a lot in me that that likes it in May. Um, that's for sure. There's a big part of me. So I, I, I'm, I know it's not a great answer. I know you hate these types of answers. No, I'll tell you this. On the fence. What that makes know. Yeah, go ahead. No, I was going to say what that makes you is the valuable swing voter. You are someone, yes. you know, if the Tims are listening, call Adam Steinberg. He is up for grabs. Um, yeah, it's because it is. I I, I uh, both arguments resonate with me. There's something special, particularly about the NCAA team final when you have yeah. 64 everyone lingering and coaches and players. That is the most special atmosphere. Last year's, I'll never forget the finals getting to watch with you and Sean and just that sort of experience was super special for one, like imagine for the players actually playing. At the same time, and it's a pipe dream, but like somehow angling the NCAA tournament for the second week of the U.S. Open or some sort of platform like that in the fall that we just don't have time to provide it in the spring that appeals to me. Yeah, no, it's, um, you know, there's just a a lot of times um, we say all these things and then we get into the weeds of it and you start like, okay, well, what's a great date? What about dates of competition? There's a million things that go into it in the fall, but I'm not going to go into all that. But the one thing that if we can... You know, at first I was so against it. I, I really loved having it in May. I loved having, um, like you mentioned, all the players there and getting and all the coaches experience that and um, and being a part of the NCAA championships. Um, there were there was and 
also, I felt like you have your whole year's work. So Results-wise, you're kind of really earning it when you have it in May. It's tough in the fall, you know, to find. And we're, we're working through those things to find enough results to, to really make a, um, a legitimate tournament. Um, but, uh, you know, I am, I'm opening my, my, my eyes a little bit more to it, um, because if you tell me that, Hey, we can get on TV, we, we have this amazing facility to do it and it grows in sport, then I'll always be open to that. That's, that's the biggest thing above anything else. Um, so that, that's, you know, because I feel like when we have the, the NCAA, when we have the tournament in Orlando and we have the setup with Tennis Channel there, they do a really great job on the individual side, but I worry when it moves, how that's going to work. So um, still in conversation, still um, looking at it, that's for sure. I don't think it's a, by any means a done deal by the NCAA, though. That's my opinion. No, I mean, like I said, Goodyear in Michigan, you're a swing voter. That's a good place for our kind. Um Never yeah. been a swing voter before. I like yeah. <laughs> November Maui. Every coach says yes. Like, let's just do it. There. Maui's my spot, man. Yeah. Maui. <laughs> exactly. Now we got to get someone to make it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's perfect. Um, uh, yeah. On that note, should a non-American get the wild card regardless who the NCAA champion is? Without question. Yeah. 100%. Mm-hmm. They should. And I, and I think that I don't think you can really move it to the fall without that. Mm-hmm. To be honest, I think you really need it. Um, and that's something that I wish they never took away. Mm-hmm. No, you know, these, these kids give everything to our sport. They're working so hard in the classroom there. I, I wish we still had it for everybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Last two questions for you. And again, yeah. another big picture, but what Oracle was doing and prior to Mark Hurd's passing, obviously what was so beneficial for college tennis, the challengers and just, you know, linking them to college campuses. I got to be there for the Ann Arbor challenger, obviously at the start of 2020 and, you know, um, UTR is trying to pick up the mantle here this season, but, you know, getting various levels of the game to coordinate and cross promote. And obviously the USTA is taking a bigger share and bigger venture into college tennis, but, you know, to me, it's there's just like some low hanging fruit. Like, why can't we get the top five college players world team tennis contracts every summer? They're team players. They would thrive in that environment as much as anyone. That's cross promoting and you know getting wild cards across events. How does college tennis go about doing that? And is that an essential ingredient you think building the game? Yeah, no, I think it is, and I, I think the partnership with the USTA is massive. It's grown a lot in the last few years really good job with that and and has has been a big part of of that but all those for sure help grow the game um without a doubt i think um like you talked about the cross promotion getting the you know our top players into these pro events onto world team tennis you know into world team tennis is amazing um, the only part that I hope that it doesn't ever interfere with our dual match season. And that's the part that I, I always want to keep sacred. That's my personal opinion that we should have our best players playing and, and not, um, and not playing, um, as much, you know, during those times. But like you said, in the summer with world team tennis and in the fall and at different times of the year, 
Um, I think there has to be um, this partnership where we're getting our players into those big events, into those big arenas, uh, for sure. Yeah. No, it does. And again, seeing so many campuses have so many pro events, it's a step in the right direction. There's no doubt about that. All right. Last one. Growing our sport. I mean, I, Mm -hmm. I know when we had our challenger here, so many people from the community, kids came out, you know, we, we were able to bring, um, from, um, you know, lower income areas, you know, kids come out to watch, all these great players and it's um i think it's terrific and, and hopefully we could do more um at certain times of the year for sure and ulysses blanche was hitting the cover off the ball just yeah. it was ridiculous it was and yeah i mean it was delightful <laughs> i agree with you very fun and they had a really handsome broadcaster on the call is my recollection um but Next yeah. question. Next question. Yeah, next question. And final question uh, for you. And this is just a fun one. I always like to ask coaches because I was waiting always... for it. Yeah. Well, some st- coming. Well, no, we need some story time with Steiny first. Give me one match from your past. You could recoach any of them. Which one are you picking? Recoach them. Recoach any of the match, whether it's to change the outcome. Maybe you just want to relive, say, a certain Pepperdine match you played. Which one do you pick? Oh wow! Um, I have one, but it's pretty recent. <laughs> I'm trying to go back. Is this um, Ohio State when we're up three-one and getting that back on the? I mean, because like we were there. I I, I know how you, you think. I remember coming and being on my broadcast. Yeah, no, I just I know how you think. Further, I feel the same way. Yeah, I I definitely that's one that um, I. If I had to go back, I wish I would have been on BD's court when he had two match points there. Sure. Um, that's that's definitely one. Um, and I'm, I actually go back to my Alabama days, and I, I was thinking about one against Virginia Tech when we, we lost to go to the Sweet 16 in Athens. Who was the one in 1990 at St. John's in the 15-1 season? Who played one for my team? No, no, no. Who beat you? Who was the one loss that year? 15-1 and one at St. John's in 90. Who was the one? I think we lost to one of the Ivies. I think it was Harvard. Sure. May, I think, may, I, you know, again, yeah, I'm, I'm throwing out but matches here. But definitely last year at Ohio State, that was a tough one. Up to be one for sure. Yeah. Um, really is, playing great. So. Is the national championship top five? It's got to be top five. The net. Yeah, that match. It's got to be in a top five, re-coaching, just to go through the wins. Or was that too stressful? Oh, like, I thought you meant re-coaching like a match that we've lost. Well, it could be a win, too. Maybe you want oh. – I've noticed for a lot of coaches it is yeah. the losses they harp on. But there's got to be a win thrown in the there, too. The match that I would love to go back and coach again was in the quarters against Georgia in front of their fans uh, when I was at Pepperdine. That was one that I uh, will live on with me forever. Mm-hmm. That that experience, I would love to go back and and do that one again. Sure. And with that team in mind, have you shown your team the picture of you and Pear, the blue hair, <laughs> blonde and black? Yeah, blonde and black. That's what it was. That's so funny because I just showed my daughter that over Christmas break. That picture, my twelve-year-old, she couldn't believe it. <laughs> um, which was probably a mistake because she wants to dye her hair now. And she's like, what are you doing? 
Um, but yes, I've shown a bunch of the guys that picture. Yes, mm-hmm. I have. I, there's, we'll figure something out. I gotta get. To, I'm gonna get that picture leaked. That's gonna be my <laughs> my pledge. Just to, if not I for you, for it, I can leak it too. Yeah, that's a, when we post this episode. I need the the accompanying photo as well. Okay. Can, I gotta ask Pear though. He has to sign up. No, I, he don't need to ask Pear. Yeah, I ha- yeah. No, I need to. He's big time now. I yeah. <laughs> yeah, you'll leak it to Malibu uh, Malibu paparazzi. Yeah. Um, no, I love it. Well, Coach Steinberg, as always, a happy new year to you and your family. You it is always a pleasure having you on this show. Thank you for always tolerating my nonsense. And as always, go blue, my friend. No, I love it. Go blue. And thanks, Alex. All the best. Happy new year to you. Yep. Take care, Coach. Take care.